Our reading this morning is from Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. So, really long reading this morning. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Lord, thank you so much for Charlie. Thank you for the words that he is going to bring to us this morning. Thank you that he has been praying and seeking your vision alongside others in this church for what this church will be and what the values we hold are. Lord, I pray for him this morning that he would speak your words with clarity, they would hit our hearts, that we would leave here today changed and taking on more of the values that you have for us as St. Andrews. Amen. Thanks, Jen. I don't know about you, but um, I quite like journeys. Some of us hate journeys, some of us love journeys. I enjoy the difference that you get on a journey. We came back yesterday from Cornwall, my wife and my son and me, um, and the journey was varied. It was varied from Cornwall because many of you may have driven that. The 303 is a horrendous road at times because um, it's just single carriage, and seemingly people just drive so slowly because they want to look at Stonehenge. And so you get to Stonehenge and everyone's driving really slowly. The traffic's building up. You've been queuing for an hour and a half already. You think, oh, it must be a horrible accident. But the horrible accident is actually an amazing historical thing that everyone just wants to look at. The minute it's past your window as the driver, everyone speeds up. The traffic disappears. You can go. Then if you've done that journey. But it's a fascinating point on that journey. But it, it, it helps the journey. It moves the journey on. It's something that we come across on that journey. If you've ever flown anywhere, I know a few of us uh, are still willing to fly at the moment. You fly somewhere, you've got the journey to the airport. You've got the airport weight. You've got the queue and the bags and the whatever, weighing and guessing how much you know your pants weigh in your luggage. And you carry on through. You wait at the gate. You get something overly expensive to eat and a pint or whatever. Get on the plane. You do all that. The journey has so many aspects. When I was at theological college training for this job, um, I said to somebody, isn't faith a journey? It's a journey we're all on. And he looked at me and he went, oh, Charlie, that's just so naff. It's just such a naff. Don't say that. Don't be the vicar that says, oh, we're all on a journey. It's all going to be fine. Don't be that vicar. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to be. Because if any of you have lived life for any uh, moment, you know that although life can look pretty similar day to day, sometimes there's a Stonehenge along the road where things have just crowded up a bit and it goes a bit slower. Sometimes there is a wait. And you don't really know why there's a wait, but there's a queue. And, and one day you might find out why you were queuing. Sometimes on your journey that it's very bitty like a flight where you just sit in one place for two hours and yet you have to do it. Sometimes it goes pretty quick. You get on that plane and you're off. The flight is off. It's going. We do 
live lives of journeys. And I don't think that's a mistake from God. He's created this as our life, where things are different. We, yeah, we look like we plod along and everyone, you know, you, know, you, you get married, you, you, you go and have kids, you die in the end, and everyone thinks there's this life, and sometimes life looks a bit different to the norm, but most of the time we, we kind of like to do the same things, Monday to Sunday and Monday to Sunday, but it's not that simple, is it? Our journeys are different. And the journey of this church, the body of people that God has gathered here over the last 140 years, is certainly that. It's a journey. And it's a journey that he's called me here for as part of this journey for a certain amount of time. And I don't know how long that will be. And some of you here, if you're not just a visitor here, he's called you here to be part of our family for a certain amount of time. If you're just visiting for today, you are so welcome. But he's called you here on this journey for St. Andrews today. And you being here is important to us, it's important to God, and it adds into your journey. That little bitty thing on the road to your journey, it's happening today. Our journeys collide. And things move faster and slower. And St. Andrew's journey is nowhere near over. But it almost was. Two years ago, um, I was employed to turn this church around. Impossible job. No human can turn a church around. It's the role of God to do that. And he wants to do it. That's what he does. He turns everything around. Have you ever seen a guy die and rise again? Yes, God does that kind of thing. He turns things around from death to life. And so I wanted to get involved in this job, and we're doing it. Two years on, we've been on a great journey. Tough at times, joyful at times, loads of things going on, but we're not at our destination. And friends, if you're ever part of a church that feels like it's at its destination, please leave. Because it should keep going. It should keep powering on on that journey. It is never finished. And we are here and we're at a stage in our life as a church where we are saying, okay, what do we believe? This isn't a statement of faith. We can write that and we have that and we, we look at that. But this is what do, what do we value? What do we believe as people? What do we want the culture of our community to look like? We're still small enough to shape around these things. And then as things draw in around these values, we will grow and we will develop. And these values might, might develop or go deeper or change. And we're open to that move of God. But these values are, are discussed and worked through. And so we're now having a little series on preaching them because our journey is at a certain point and we will live the journey as we live it, is it as we come across it. And so our first value, it's all online, these sermons. You can watch them if you want to, if you're interested. The first sermon is we want to live under the word of God. We want to live under the word of God. We believe God has communicated with humanity through the Bible. And my sermon on that was just kind of filtering out a few different reasons to why we are secure in that belief. We believe that the word of God is given. We want to live under the word of God. The second value is we want to live as a committed family. The only reason we want to do that, because the Bible tells us so. Every value stems out of that. We want to live as a committed family. Now, what does that mean? It means you, you don't just come here, receive what you want to receive, and go. It means you come here and you chat over coffee. 
You come here and you chat with your friends and you make relationships and you commit to life group. And again, the journey's there. You're not going to start by deep diving into the deep end. You can come and go. We're not going to get weird. But we want our family, our core, to love each other like our family does because faith is stronger than blood. And then we have our third value, which we're on today, which is to live to live sacrificially. Now this again is from the Bible. To live sacrificially as individuals and as a body. And our value next week that we'll be looking at is to live for God and for his world. You'll see there's a, there's a, a wrap up there in the last. We start with the word from God coming to us, communicating. We then sweep right back around with our fourth value and therefore we live for him to God and then on mission to his world we'll get there next week but today living sacrificially Romans chapter 12 Paul writes I appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship well, friends, if you ever see a therefore in the Bible, you know that. Therefore, what does that mean? It means that he is referencing the bit before. We need to know that context to see what he's talking about. And Romans chapter 12 is a massive, massive turnaround in the, in the, in the letter to the Romans. Massive turnaround. Chapters 1 to 11 essentially outline and deep dive in sections the gospel of Jesus Christ what he has done for a world in desperate need. For a world that deserves the wrath of God, the mercy of God has come and blessed, graciously creating a way for us to receive life as opposed to death. See, what we believe is good. Doctrine is important. The gospel we need to know, it needs to be on our lips. We have to, have to be able to talk about that. It's really important, but Christianity is not just a thinking religion. We think and we do. Faith insists on work. We're saved by faith alone, but the instant you have faith, you're filled with the Spirit who then moves you to work. We are saved by faith, but faith insists on works. We work and we live in a way that points towards the gospel. Back to where we were, what we were thinking about, back to what we've been told and has, has infiltrated our mind, dropped down to our heart and moved to our hands. We are to be doers of the gospel. And how? I was once in a a wood in the middle of um, Virginia with a group of guys from church. We were there um, learning what mission looks like uh, from a church that was doing loads of mission. And the pastor there of this church who was taking us together as these kind of, we were eight guys uh, from Nottingham, from a church in Nottingham. And he said to us, he said, Christ, Christ sacrificed himself for you. And therefore, what do you need to do? You sacrifice yourself for others. What's the greatest gift that you can ever give anyone? What's to give them you? 
And you know that, don't you? You know that if you've ever thought about giving yourself to someone else. You know that if you've ever had a parent, if you've ever been a parent, where you, you suddenly have this child and you're like, okay, cool. My whole world now is about nurturing and rearing and giving them the best of me. Hannah and I are constantly in conversation right now because Ezra's copying everything we say about how we give him our words. Is, and we had a whole conversation this week, didn't we, um, about is bum a rude word? And where the kind of category of bottom to something else becomes rude. It's important now because we're giving him our words. I want to speak how I want to speak, thank you very much. Not when you have a kid. Because you want them to have the best of you. That means ridding yourself of the worst of you. It's a hard journey to go on. If you've ever fallen in love, you may have got on one knee. You may say, actually, I want to offer myself to you. If you've ever had a close friendship, you know that musical Blood Brothers, great musical. Have you ever seen that? Shoes on the Table? Spider's Been Killed, it's a great song, Google it. Reality is, you know, friendship can be as close and as loving and as self-giving as any other relationship. And it should be. We know what it is to give ourselves sacrificially. accept us until a just punishment has been taken by a sacrifice which then allows us to enter into his presence which then allows us to live life clean until we sin again how quick do you sin again or we confess every week not just to Remember the sins of that week, but the sins of that hour, the sins of this morning. How many of you are walking in here going, actually this morning I know I have trespassed the will of God. I have sinned and I deserve wrath. 
Well, what that needs, friends, is a sacrifice. The Old Testament's really clear in its most basic of form. But the gospel is good news. Why is it good news? Well, if you, if you have any history with Jesus, you'll know. It's good news because there was a final sacrifice given. That's why in the Church of England we don't call that large table there an altar. It's a table to have a meal around where we share the meal of bread and wine. It is not an altar where a sacrifice happens. Sacrifices no longer happen. None of you have brought in a sheep blemish-free for me to burn on that table. We don't do it anymore. Because, if you have, leave it in the cast. Because Jesus was the final sacrifice. The Old Testament sacrificial system symbolically allowed people to continue in relationship with God as their rightful punishment had been symbolically taken by the offering given, a pigeon, a goat, or a lamb. And symbolically, it points towards the desperate need of all humanity. We now know. We now know through the New Testament that that needed to be fulfilled once and for all. A full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice. Who? Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. Letter written to Jewish believers explaining their sacrificial history. Why they no longer need to take a goat. Sacrifice it in the temple for the priests to do. That law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near for worship. The writer of Hebrews, it clearly explains that those sacrifices pointed towards something far greater. They were never going to really do the job. They were a symbol. They were a sign. A sign saying St. Andrew's Church, pointing that way. You don't go to the sign and sit there. You go to the church. You follow the sign. And the sacrifices of the Old Testament, as horrendous as they seemed to us, were pointing towards the most horrendous of sacrifices that should have the same effect on us. Why? Is that needed? And that effect on us draws us to see the desperate need of our turning away from God. Why go all the way to killing a lamb and to killing the Son of God ultimately? Because that's the need of our desperate, wretched hearts. We love to ignore that, but it is so true. Hebrews 10 carries on. For the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all if they'd focused on those sacrifices and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Verse 9, it says, Behold, I've come to do your will, Jesus says. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that... Will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all? For when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. 
He didn't stand there and go, right, sacrificed once, I'll do it again weekly for you so that you're constantly clean. Once and for all, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of God and is waiting. He's waiting for his enemies to become his footstool. Well, there's another image, there's another picture. What's that about? He's waiting for the whole of evil, the opposite of God, to be put under the feet of Christ. And we are still waiting for that. COVID is not a godly thing. It's an evil thing that is ruining us. That will be put under the feet of Christ one day. And he is waiting. And his timing is right. And we can be secure in that. The sacrifice has been made. We no longer do animal sacrifices in church because one sacrifice was made once and for all. And then this passage carries on in Hebrews 10. Make sure we listen to this. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, verse 16, then tells us, it says, the Holy Spirit testifies, this is the covenant that I will make with them. Who are they? Those people who have received the sacrifice. The Holy Spirit's making a covenant with you. If you believe in Christ as your Lord, the Holy Spirit is saying, after those days of Christ, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. It's forgotten. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not remembering our sin. He's not remembering your lawless deeds. Why? Because the sacrifice has been made. Christ has made us clean. We are perfect and holy in Christ. And I know you're going to walk out those doors, not those doors, that door. You're going to walk out that door and you're going to sin again. Straight away. And so will I. But it's a journey. It's a journey of learning to fall on our knees in repentance again to the living God who by one sacrifice has made me forever eternally clean. And I'm on a journey of growing to understand that. So what? Now, why is our third value to live sacrificially? Because in our freedom bought by Christ, in our unbelievably good news offered to us in that one perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice of all sacrifices, in that, we are being made into his likeness. You are on a journey, starting off pretty low down, and growing and growing and growing into the likeness of Christ and you won't get there before you die so don't try too hard to be perfect because you'll fail and you'll draw us in we get back on our knees and we repent and we repent and we repent and you'll see some of our young people that Adrian was hanging out with Mervyn and Ken and Janet and anyone who's been Christian for a long time you are doing so well and we as younger people look up to you because you're further on you're past Stonehenge you're driving faster often. It's not about earthly age, of course. It's about our maturity in Christ as he discerns. You do you, babe. 
You know that phrase? It's a phrase that people say. You do you, babe. Don't do you. You do Jesus, babe. That's what we need to say. We won't put it on a banner at St. Andrew's. See, Jesus said, but there is no man than he who gave his life for his friends. John 15. What's that saying? Well, better than no man than Jesus. And therefore, to be the best kind of people, men, women, we give our life for our friends. As Jesus says in Matthew 16, the life we live under, sorry, this life we live under free, the free gift of Jesus. It's one that we grow into the likeness of God with. What is Jesus like? That's where we're going. He is mightily sacrificial. That is the character of God we see in the gospel. Willing to come for you. If you want your life saved, if you want it saved, you come to Christ. But if you want to be your own king, your own queen over your life, you want to be in charge of your life, then you will lose it, Jesus says. If you lose your life, if you sacrifice the deepest desires of you doing you, babe, you sacrifice that and you do Jesus, babe, then you will find life. The world will tell you to be the best you and that will kill you. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me, Jesus says, will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world but forfeit their soul, question mark, answer, no good. So I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's not human sacrifice now. This is living sacrifices. Which means you guys have hearts beating, physical. We are physical and spiritual beings. We are not just spiritual. Don't pretend we are. He cares about your physicality, your body, your fingers, through to your lungs, up to your mind, and your, your follicles of your hair. He cares, and he's asking for you to say, God, have it all. My life, my career, my choice of car, my seashell collection, my Shoes and trainers, my son, have it all, God. That's the sacrifice of your body. And what is that? God says in the Bible, he says it is, it is spiritual worship. Physical workings, sacrificing what we have, our money and our time and our talent, is spiritual worship. It's not just hands in the air and feeling lovely in song but it's how we work and do life. Our lives are to be sacrificial. And if we're to grow as a church, if you want to come on that journey with us for whatever time that is, if you're already in the car on the way to Cornwall, we need to be sacrificial because that's what God has done for us. Our lives are given to God, all of ourselves to him. Our relationship, our jobs, our career, our parents, our children, our education, our retirement, how we die, whether we're called to mission at the age of 82 or whether we go into that care home and tell those people who are dying about Jesus. Don't just get a golf membership. 
Get a membership to eternity and sacrifice that to power on in the gospel. John Benton said, sacrifices. Sacrifice is the giving up of something we genuinely value in order to express our devotion to God. Well, friends, what do you genuinely value that you need to sacrifice? We're not really bad at sacrificing things we don't value that much at all. How much time do you spend just scrolling on Facebook? There's a sin for me. I'll be open with you. And my new relationship with TikTok. Please follow me. How much time do you just waste? Scrolling. Will you sacrifice that for God? If it's easy to do, you're not valuing it much. It's not easy to do, you're valuing it. Sacrifice. How much money are you giving to, to, to the mission of God, to the church you go to, to, to this church? I'll be honest with you, we have quite, you know, quite a small number of regular givers here. Praise God, he's sustaining us, but we're not sustainable. We need to be sacrificing more of what we value. Are you giving enough? That's a prayer between you and God. Are you willing to give that a desire for a big country house one day? Are you willing to give that desire to whatever it is for you? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. We want to be sacrificial, so what does that look like? It means we're more committed than many people in other churches. It means we're willing to give more time, more money. We're willing to give more talent. And that's for those of us that are on the journey. And if you're not yet on this journey and you're watching, you're thinking, maybe... You know, if you want to get on board, come on in. But we're going to invite you to be sacrificial of your time and your money. But this isn't about wanting you to do stuff for us. Because your sacrifice and my sacrifice is seen not by your vicar or by your pastor, but by your Lord, who has also called you to Sabbath, who has also called you to rest, has also called you to serve people without it being seen. This isn't a tick box exercise where we're a really committed church. But this is about our spiritual worship to God Almighty. And he knows you. And he loves you enough to die for you. And he's inviting you to die for him. To die to all the things that we worship, that we're living for, that we value highly. And give to him in extraordinary ways. What does that look like for us individually? And as we work that out on our own individual journeys, the promise is that this church, as we are affected by God, will affect the world. Why do we live, give ourselves as living sacrifices? Because the world will see the grace and the sacrifice and the mercy given by God. God to us. It will light up our community. The power of the Spirit is on the children of God. But don't shut your life off to God because you're tired. 
don't shut your life off to God because you can't give any more money. You can't face being so intense in church stuff. Don't shut yourself off to God because this seems difficult. But get on your knees because the Holy Spirit is transforming us. I'm someone who would easily run away when it's hard. Trust me, I'll walk away. But on our knees, the Holy Spirit gives us strength to give what we should be giving, to sacrifice that little bit more time in front of the sofa for the will of God, to sacrifice the fact that we refuse to rest, to rest. And this is about us and God. But we will affect the world if we openly are willing to sacrifice for each other here. God promises the safety and the fulfillment in life for his children through this worship. It is a decision. It is not for me to put this on top of you for you to feel guilty. But it is personal decisions to worship God through sacrifice. We will be affected by God and effective for his world. But it costs us. And if we're a church that's not willing to take that cost in sacrifice, in time and talent and money and all the other aspects, then we won't go anywhere far. We will run out of petrol and the journey will be stunted. But by the power of the Spirit, if we trust him, we can go far. We can go far in the Lord's will. And he will add to his number through our work for his own glory. And it will be joyful. I want this church to be a church that blesses. That blesses our community and blesses each other. I want to bless, 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 bless. Because of the first 11 chapters of Romans. The mercy of God. I want to be merciful to the homeless and merciful to the poor and merciful to those in need. And I want St. Andrews to be known as a church that looks like Christ. We're willing to lie flat on our back to give. If you're on this journey, it's going to be fun. If you want to be on this journey, jump on board. Let's pray. What good is it to gain the whole world? forfeit our souls if we can be people that give time to our church family that means we have to sacrifice something else Lord may we be it if we can be financial givers to the church that give until it changes our day to day living and hurts us a little bit may we be so Lord we can be committed to each other in life groups and in church as a family, until we're slightly sick of that boring chat with that person at church. Lord, may we be like that. If, Lord, by the power of your spirit, you are willing to transform us. And so we pray, come, Lord Jesus, minister to us. May we worship you now, Lord, with spiritual worship, humming songs of praise for your glory. So we're going to spend some time in sung worship, not singing. Read the words. God knows your hearts. God knows my heart. 
Let's worship him afresh. Let's invite the spirit to keep transforming us. Let's pray through what we should be sacrificing personally, communally. Let's discuss it. Let's push deeper. If you need prayer for anything, we do have prayer ministry here at St. Andrews. And take that with you this week. The email for that um, will come up on the screen, but it's simply church at standswimbledon.com. Do use that. You can email now if you want. Someone will call you later on. But let's be praying and worshipping now in the presence of God. Let's worship. <laughs>